0: I'm Amy Eaton. Who the fuck are you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends. Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met. We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Hello, my dear friends. This is Kevin Albus, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? You know, I normally start the show off with, uh, you know, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, uh, but then I realized basically that's the fucking Truman Show. I hadn't seen the Truman Show in forever, and that's basically his major tagline, so I feel like I subconsciously stole that, so we are now working on new ways to open the show, so... Uh, I'm looking for some razzle dazzle to start out the show. So if you got some ideas, email me bigtalkpodcasts at gmail.com. I'd like to give a big shout out to my talented wife, Kim Bowler. Her show that she directed, The Last Night in Karaoke Town, just opened again. It was the show that I closed before it was supposed to because of the pandemic. And now the Factory Theater has brought it back to reopen their space now that everything has calmed down. And the show is back, and it's still hilarious. Last Night in Karaoke Town runs right now through April 30th at the Factory Theater, 1623 West Howard. It's Friday and Saturday nights at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m. Again, running until April 30th. If you're in Chicago or going to be in the Chicagoland area between now and then and you're looking for something fun to do, get your tickets now. Thefactorytheater.com. That's theater with an E-R, not an R-E. Thefactorytheater.com. Go see The Last Night in Karaoke Town. I think you'll love it. My guest today is just the quintessential artist. She's an actor, director, producer, writer, dancer, singer, you name it, she does it. Please welcome to the show Amy Eaton. Hi. Hi. How's it going? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you been? It's been a while since I've seen your face. It's been a uh, couple months since that last right Club that I was, I think I saw you at. Was that the last time I saw oh, you? I Rite think Club.
0: it was and that was, it, that was
1: a while ago. Yeah, it's been a bit. So how have things been with you as far as acclimating back to the real world now that we're still in a pandemic, but it's kind of post-pandemic mentally for most of us and things it definitely Have you had- it's
0: definitely still a pandemic
1: yeah <laughs> uh, absolutely absolutely
0: um yeah i'm 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 not really ready to venture i mean i've, I've dipped my toe out there in the real world and mm-hmm. then i come hurrying back and I'm like what the hell did i just do <laughs> oh that was a bad
1: idea was this pandemic okay for you are you like a natural introvert or do you are you a social butterfly? So, like, was oh, this a good I, thing or bad thing for a you?
0: Total latchkey. I'm an only child. I was a total little latchkey kid. Okay. Um, I was a quintessential Gen Xer of like, go away and read your book and leave us all alone.
1: Right. Yes. Just while TV. we ignore
0: you anyway. So, um, <laughs> so yes, for me this felt very natural.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um,
0: um, I am. I am coupled with somebody though who is a twin. And an extrovert, and this was really hard on him.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, if you like to get, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in between. My wife's more way more introvert than I am, and I'm kind of uh, I'm picky and choosy about my introvertness. You know, every once in a while, I'm like, exactly. yeah, I just want to be the fuck away from everybody. But also at the same time, I want to go see like four people. You know, I yeah. have my chosen four people, so it yeah. was tough not to get to see like those people that I wanted to see. Exactly. Really hard, but uh,
0: yeah, that think- that was hard. Um, but I also can probably you know, go for a really good long time without seeing a lot of people. Um, the, the hardest thing for me in the beginning was um, I didn't get to see my kid, my oldest kid. And I saw him when he, the night he turned 21, I saw him and then the city shut down the week after that. Oh no. And I did not see him again till Oh man, I want to say, I didn't, I mean, I'm so fucked up on time. <laughs> I feel like I didn't see him again till like Thanksgiving.
1: Oh no, that's so hard. Especially being so close to each other.
0: No, no but four miles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, like I, I don't see my family a lot, but they're nine hours away. So right. it was a thing where I didn't get to see them the one time. But if you're right. regularly seeing your children, oh, that's tough. Right. to be tough. That's going to be tough.
0: Right. So that, that was weird because I was accustomed to seeing him, you know, roughly once every month, every two months, we'd go out and grab breakfast or lunch together and
1: mm-hmm.
0: just hang out a little bit. Um, but that was weird.
1: Um, Amy, um, I forgot. We had this conversation not too long. I think it was the last time we saw each other and, and getting ready for this. Uh, found out again, you're not originally from Chicago. You're from Ithaca, New York.
0: No, no, uh, no. I'm not close. I went to school in Ithaca.
1: Oh, you went to school in Ithaca. Okay.
0: School in Ithaca. But I'm an hour south East of there from Binghamton,
1: Binghamton. That's where it was. Binghamton, yes. Yes. Uh, that's a, it's, it's a beautiful area. Like I, like I said, I used to, I used to work in that area and I lived right outside of Syracuse as, as far as central New York goes, people don't think, I don't think people realize how pretty that area is. It's like southern, was here.
0: Binghamton is the Southern tier. Cause is I've that? actually, I've, I've finally realized when I say from upstate people, like, just get a little far away from New York city.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh
0: and yeah. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm above Scranton. I'm literally an hour north of Scranton. Right. Like you're, you're thinking a little more bucolically than where I'm from. Yeah.
1: What brought you all the way from there to here? Like what was the draw to Chicago outside of that area instead of like New York, especially because it's easy to kind of just shoot down there, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, I came of age. Um, I graduated college in 88. Mm-hmm. And so in high school, I spent a fair amount of time in the city. And I was an acting major. Um, And the homelessness in New York City was so horrific in those years Mm. that I knew that I was, there was no way that I was going to like be able to move to New York City and just have some sort of life where you could just be stepping over people's bodies as you went about your daily life. Right. I mean, granted, that's what we're living in right now here, but. As a young person, I I knew that I was like I'm not cut out for that. I'm, I right. can't I can't justify that in my existence in my world. Like that's that's not okay for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I didn't want to put myself out there that way. Um, but from Ithaca, um, I actually got a job straight out of college with a deaf and hearing theater company, which was based in Rochester. Okay. So I had my Northwest Trend. I went from to Rochester. Nice. Um, I worked with them for a year. They would hire one hearing person that was a musician as well as an actor. And the trick there was they'd always hire an inter. They usually hired two interpreters, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would hire somebody who had no sign language experience, but also what had a musical experience. So I played guitar and I sang, and then they could sing, they could sign songs.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And
0: we had all these, we, they would create this show, this sort of like traveling vaudeville show together. So you had a kid's portion and you would basically plug and play your performance of like, where are we today? We're at an elementary school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Plug in this. We'll oh, this how long is it? Okay. We need another thing to plug that in. Here's another 10 minutes. Okay. We'll do a couple minutes of questions. You know, like you had these things that you were on the road going, well, let's mix it up and do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we did.
1: And that was part of your transition into you so you moved from,
0: so I, yeah, so from I, Binghamton
1: to Ithaca to Rochester.
0: Right. So I stayed there. And then I met somebody when I was there. Oh okay. He was deaf. And uh, he talked me into saying, um, stick around for another year. Uh I can move anywhere. He was a he's, he is a deaf poet and uh had a pretty successful career doing this form of poetry in ASL. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was working with this other guy who was hearing and um, traveling all over the world and doing all kinds of, and all over the country and doing all kinds of stuff. And he said, give me a year to kind of sort my stuff out and I'll move wherever you want. And I was like, all right, I want to move to Minneapolis. Okay. And he thought she's going to settle in. She's going to find her people. She's going to stay in Rochester. It's all that.
1: Shouldn't be a problem. Right, yeah. right, right. I didn't. <laughs> I, I wanted out of Rochester,
0: but um, we went to, we drove up to um, a friend of mine kept on saying to me, she had gone to school with her. She jetted sophomore year and gone to Providence. Um, and then she moved to Chicago and she kept on calling me and saying, you don't want to move to Minneapolis. You want to move to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I kept on saying, no, I don't. And she kept saying, yeah, you do. And then she's like reading the, the reader to me. And she's like, this is all the shows they have just, this week,
1: Just the, and
0: I was like, mm, it's like 1989, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't think so. Um, I don't think I want to move to Chicago. I, I think I really, you know, there was a big, there was a lot of theater, but there was also a really good creative writing scene, and uh, and I was leaning more towards the writing at that point that I, mm-hmm. that, I, that I really wanted to focus on, and said, I really think I want to go to Minneapolis, and we drove to Minneapolis. And uh, we got there. And I forgot that National Theater of the Deaf is there.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So my name in Rochester was basically Peter's girlfriend.
1: Uh Ah-ha.
0: And I'm like, I'm not having this.
1: No, no, no. Yeah.
0: Uh, He's four years older than I am. And it's just like, I was really, really tired of being in the shadows. And so we started driving back to Chicago to pick up our flight home. And halfway through the trip, I looked at him and I I signed, I want to move to Chicago. And he was (laughs) like, you said you want to move to Minneapolis. I said, "Yeah, I want to move to Chicago." Yeah,
1: I think that's the place to go. I just made up my mind like that. And you've been here ever since. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say,
0: and he's here. He runs the interpreting training program at Columbia. Oh, really? He's been here. He's been here for thirty-two years now.
1: See what? A, look at that decision that you made. It changed lives. Well, it seems like that this move to Chicago um, kind of like, set you on a path, because going, like, I, I, I'm i always, I always enjoy doing research on people that are coming on the show that I kind of know a little bit, you know, because we've met, we've met through Right Club, we yeah. have uh, same circle of friends on, on certain levels, and we've hung out and stuff like that, but going and looking and seeing what you've done here in the city, you are like... <laughs> You're like the quintessential artist. Like, you have your fingers and toes in every ass, almost every single aspect of the arts. Uh, outside of, I didn't see anything about you being a painter, and I didn't see anything about you being a sculptor. Outside of that, it seems like you handle everything. You are an actor, uh, an artistic director, producer, director, writer, singer, songwriter, teacher, coach, musician. Like, you kind of do it all. Was this something that kind of popped out of you at a young age? Like what was your first like foray into the arts? Like, did you find out when you were young that you were a singer or an actor first and what really pulled you into that world? Or was that something that came along with your family? Here's 15 questions. This is what I do on my podcast. I'll ask you 15 questions and then you answer them all at one second. Go.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Perfect. And the next question (laughs) (laughs) moving on. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, (laughs) But really like where is your influence of in the arts come from? Like cuz you have a lot.
0: Um my my dad, my dad's a musician. Um okay. and when I was 12, he handed me a guitar, showed me three chords and said, "Good luck."
1: <laughs> such a such a fucking dad thing to do. Such a dad thing to do. Like, That's you know, just throws you in the water and teaches you how to swim.
0: Go. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, and he
1: gave you an adult guitar at that too? Perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, I was, the, I was the same size I am now, but um, <laughs> I've been this size since I was 11. <laughs> um, I started dancing when I was like, I mean, all little kids dance, but I started dancing when I was, but I was, yeah, I was always sort of making up stories. I don't know. Maybe that's part of being an only child. I was always a big reader. Mm-hmm. I was always like lost in my imagination a lot. This is going to sound so morbid, but um, I believe that the play that convinced me I wanted to act was *The Crucible*. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. You know, my my family were up in New England, and I I went down this weird rabbit hole in fourth or fifth grade, where I became obsessed with the Salem witch trials. I mean, really? I used yeah. to every person that had had been accused and tried in those trials. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did like a deep dive. When I was like 11.
1: Out of all this influence of being, you know, at a young age, dancing and things like that, you moved into, you said you into the theater world as a, as a major when you decided that that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, um, partly because
0: my parents told me I couldn't do that. They were like, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do that. That's not going to work. How are you going to do that? Oh,
1: so, really? Okay. Yeah, hey, watch me so oh you you were the challenge type you're the type that says yeah. don't you can't do that you're accomplished. You're yeah. gotcha gotcha i like yeah. that
0: yeah my, my mom was very my mom was very disappointed um my mom uh was a very staunch feminist she's she i believe she still is um but she, she was very convinced that I was going to be the first female president. She really had her heart set on it. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. And
0: I, I was like, I do not want to do that. And she was like, well, perhaps you could be a judge. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that either.
1: Why don't I just learn how to pretend to be a judge and judge. then I'll be an but actor? you're very that.
0: fair. And I'm like, no, yeah, I don't want to do that, mom. <laughs>
1: There's other fair jobs out there other than yeah. the president and a judge. Yeah. What was it uh, that pulled you towards the, cause I know you have so many things, especially with writing because as writing and it seems like writing and theater are your two big heavy spots of the yeah. arts. What really drew you at that time into studying theater uh, over diving more into your writing? What pulled you to the stage?
0: Um, I got really, really lucky when I was 13. My grandmother who was, uh, really something of a witch, but she was very good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a children's company in New Hampshire that, uh, was run by Dan Herlin, who was a who's a performance artist. Uh, and he had grown up in New Hampshire, but he was running, um, this children's company called Andy summer playhouse. Um, and it is still running They're in like their 52nd year. Wow. Um, and that was that was an incredible experience. Um, I got cast to play Alice in Alice in Wonderland. They cast two Alice's. Okay. Um, one was small. One was tall. Um, oh, you have know, the shrinking, and Dan
1: that's pretty fun. Was,
0: the woman who was directing that show cast Dan as the Mad Hatter and also as the Caterpillar, and he was just this crazy, skinny, lanky guy. He was probably in his early twenties at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so proud. Like I had the lead and I didn't really get theater for me. It was like, you look pretty and you learn and you say all your lines perfectly. And that means you're a good actor.
1: Right, right, right.
0: But who knows if you said all your lines, right? Like I didn't get, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't get like what it really meant, but I had the Mad Hatter scene with Dan. And I remember going out on stage one night and doing that scene and coming off of it being like, what the Fuck. <laughs> and Dan turned around. He had like the tray of tea and the kid who played the Dormouse and the kid who played the rabbit were walking in front of me. And Dan turned around and looked at me and said, I think that's the best that's ever gone, don't you? And I went, Oh my God. That's oh my active. God, they totally fucked with my head and they were supposed to. Like I get it. It was like this massive light bulb. It was so cool. He's 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 incredible. He was just Such an incredible person. And it was such a gift to be able to work with him. I mean, he was, it was, it was, I swear to God, he's responsible for the whole creative arc of my life. You know, that man.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. I love, I love people having that kind of that spark and that mentor of really that, that really made them move into the world of the arts. That's really great. That's fantastic. Uh, You finally got to Chicago. You started doing, mm, I think the word is everything. It looks like it. you started you started theater companies and artistic directing theater companies, and performing. And you've let's see you started a theater called Mudlark, uh, yeah. which you artistic directed and started. You were the artistic director for Evanston's Children's Theater. I noticed a trend, uh, at least a lot of times with these, the, the companies that you've been working with that started things like that. And, and it sounds like some of your, uh, start in theater, it had to do a lot with, um, uh, the children's theater world and educational theater. It, was that something you kind of slid into, uh, just because, or was that something that you've realized really needed some good focus in the world?
0: A little of both. Um, I was, when I, um, when I moved here, uh, the first gig I picked up was bartending,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but after I'd done that for a while, uh, I was part of a dance company called Abby, Agenesis, and that she was, um, doing residencies and workshops within the schools through urban gateways. Um, and urban gateways has been around, I think it's the longest running arts education program in the city. Wow. Okay. Um, they've had their ups and downs, but at the time in the early nineties, they were doing a lot, um, And so I went and did workshops with her. Uh, I think we were doing performances. They did performances and workshops and residencies is what they were focused on in in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. So we did performances. We would go in and do a performance. We had a thing about recycling that we did. Gotcha. Um, It was a dance piece about recycling. Um, And then when she encouraged me to apply, and I think I applied with Peter, and Peter and I taught together, uh, where we taught ASL and creative writing. Together, mm-hmm. um, as a residency and a workshop, you, you could it could be a one-day thing or we would come in for like six weeks, and the money was good. Oh, great! And then when Peter and I split up, I kept on doing it on my own, just doing c- creative writing, teaching mm-hmm. creative writing and theater in the schools. Um, and I did that until I, I did that until I had had Zeb because I remember getting a phone call when I was. At home and I got the phone call from Mamie Smith who was the head of the Fleetwood Jourdain Center up in Evanston uh, who said uh, I got your number from so-and-so and she says that you're an actress and a director and musician and your husband is a sound person and a musician and we just had auditions for our play You're a Good Man Charlie Brown and uh we've just lost our director and our music director. And I'm wondering if you'd like to come in and help us run callbacks. We have a budget for costumes. We have a budget for staff. We have a budget for blah, 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 mm. blah. And she went on and on and I'm thinking, wow, this is like a plum job. Right. And I was like, this sounds fantastic, but I had a one-year-old and I have no child care. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you know how many children we done raised up? Bring them.
1: <laughs> and I was like, "Okay,
0: I'll see you tomorrow." Oh,
1: that's amazing! And so
0: that's... I showed up, and she brought me into the audition. She had me sit through callbacks. She had me run callbacks. She didn't know me from Adam. Had me run callbacks. Sort of sat behind me while I did and watched me. And um, I ran the callbacks, and she was like, basically, handed me the job.
1: That's amazing.
0: um And then got me through that show. And then after the show, she's like. I'd like you to stay on as the artistic director. And I was like, okay. But that was great. Cause you know, her grandson would come in and she'd be like, just tell Zeb to come over here. Christian's here. Zeb can just play with all the kids over here at Fleetwood. And I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> that's great. You
0: are incredible.
1: So I know you mainly through Right Club, uh, yeah. which is an amazing, amazing show. Uh, Corbett Spadona talked about it already. Uh, and that's where I know you, but are, so that's essay-based writing, strictly basically essay style. Is that the style that you mainly focus on as a writer, or are you a playwright at heart? Where do you fall in that writing world, or are you kind of like jack of all trades?
0: No, uh, yeah, essays, essay-ish, essay mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, creative nonfiction.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: It's definitely where I'm, I'm falling. So yes, if you're going to publish something that's gonna fall in into, um, or perform something that's gonna fall into something that looks like an essay.
1: Gotcha, um, gotcha.
0: This, the performance stuff I've done has all been, has all been um, autobiographically based. So, you know, it, in the dark ages, <laughs>
1: we, would, we
0: would refer, the things would be referred to as, well, that's solo performance, or that's dance theater, or that's, um, you know, before the term live lit, before Ian Belknap coined that phrase, but, uh, which, and I, I love that phrase because I think it really encompasses a lot, but
1: nails it right on the head, you know,
0: it It really does. Um, but yeah, you know, for years, I, I referred to myself as an interdisciplinary artist or, uh, but yeah, all my, all the work I was writing about was generally pretty, pretty Mm self-reflective. And I think that just had to do with trying to figure some shit
1: out so and it's a good way to do it and I kind of and seem to where that makes sense because I also see where you kind of you kind of run that line in Chicago between uh, a live lit and uh, storytelling because those two kind of blend together in certain spots but they definitely have their own places where they live and you seem to kind of be able to ride that line of both um, I know you do a lot of work with uh, our past guest, Lily B., who's one of my favorites. She's an amazing, amazing person. How did you two meet? How did you start working with Lily B.? Because I know y'all do uh, workshops together, and I know y'all have run some live and online like r- writing game shows. Like You yeah. guys work together a lot, it seems like, which is great. I love, I love it when people find their artistic partner, and they, st- and they, and they coll- collude to make all these wonderful shows and things like that. So how did you two run into each other?
0: Um, oh, I met her at Write Club. Ian introduced us at Right Club, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then I just started showing up at the stew uh, over at Roses, and after a while, it just started to feel like if I didn't get to Roses that month, like I didn't go to church or something. It was like I could, I could go there in a foul, foul mood and walk out of there like, okay, I got what I needed from this, and I'm going to be able to get through the next couple of weeks just fine now it was just nourishing to me. It was, it was so important for me.
1: What was the first thing y'all uh, worked on together?
0: Um, I think the first thing we did was, uh, the, the game show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before the pandemic, before the pandemic. Yeah. Before the pandemic, we had just started working on the game show, which is her show, her, mm-hmm. her live lit storytelling or no, I'm sorry, her storytelling game show. Um, and I was co-hosting it, um, which meant that I had to keep time and figure out how many questions people had asked. And I was I was kind of like the kerfuffle Josh Segura.
1: As best as she's making me really, do all the grunt work.
0: Yeah, there are we have video of, of the stuff that got played online, and there are a couple of shows where I'm like. <laughs> I can't ask, I've got to start with who, what, why, or where.
1: I can't ask that. Can everyone, please just take us. i got to do it right. i by the rules. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So you've kind of run the gambit on on when performing in live live shows, like they're like on your website, I just, you're like, here's some shows I've done. And it's like 14 pages long. Um, and I know a lot of times uh, some people will be like, I got to start my own thing. I feel like I need to get out there and get my own show started. Things like that. Has it ever crossed your mind? Or is that something you ever attempted? Or are you like, I don't even want the fucking hassle. Just call me when you're ready for me to write something.
0: Um, that's, um, I. W- actually have a handful of people in the back of my head that i'd be like if they wanted a co-host i'd be really interested in doing that and i i do kind of drive around I'm, I'm not quite ready to fully come out of the pandemic but i kind of have my eye on like what about that space is that space kind of really open up or is that not opening up or mm-hmm. you deal with this space or what could you do here i mean i'm kind of like looking at stuff like that um yeah so yeah it, it's not out of it's not on the question and actually i am to plug something is um i am doing a presentation at hippocamp in pennsylvania oh wow in lancaster pennsylvania okay um, in august uh both on finding venues for live lit that are appropriate to storytellers and performers um live lit performers and storytellers both mm-hmm. and uh as well as if you ha- don't have anything in your neck of the woods, if there's not something available uh, in virtually, uh, because that's become such an option, it's the only silver lining of the pandemic, maybe. Right, um, really? But if you there's nothing in your area that's available that is like a good fit for you, uh, like screw it, build it.
1: That's awesome, that's Make amazing.
0: So, so here's the tools on how to produce it yourself.
1: That's great, That's one thing I do love about everything you've done is you've been able to really turn your experiences into helping others because you're a coach and you're a teacher and you help coach people's writings and performance and stuff like that, which I think is fantastic. And I think the idea too, that because that's something that's really hard to do, surprisingly enough, is finding the right space for your type of art. So I think the idea of having and leading a workshop like that it's really smart that's a really great idea that's i love that that's available uh, you know because people
0: camp is amazing i mean that's a it's a creative nonfiction uh, conference that happens every year in Pans- Pennsylvania, and uh, they're amazing they're just that's amazing.
1: great um speaking of speaking of your teaching and your coaching if somebody wanted to learn more about that if they were interested in trying to getting into live lit or learning how, how about the style and things like that i know like i said you coach and you teach where, where can people find your information on something like that if they're interested in reaching out
0: um, they can find me on Twitter or which is Amy Four family, the number four, or, um, through my website or, uh, directly emailing me at amyceaton at gmail.com.
1: I might be calling you just so I can learn more <laughs> so I can, I can be awesome like you, Amy. Cause I want to, Amy, we have reached the second half of the show, uh, <laughs> which is called same three questions. Same three questions. And these are the same three questions that I ask all of my guests. First question. If you could transform into any animal, which would it be and why?
0: I am going to say, oh, that's a tough one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was initially going to say a fox because they're so sneaky and... Mm-hmm. I've just become completely obsessed with fox, but then I was starting started to think like birds.
1: To, any specific bird or general birds altogether? Do, would you transform into all the birds at one time or um, a specific No, one?
0: no. I um, I have, uh, in my backyard, I have uh, some morning doves that hang out in my tree. Oh, very nice. And I am really digging them as well as I'm actually a really big fan of pigeons.
1: You know, I kind of have to say I am too. They're kind of cool, and they're they're weird social birds, and they're funny, and they're smart. Yeah, way smarter than we give credit they're, for.
0: They're really kind of cool, and they kind of hang out and do weird stuff.
1: I love it. I love I love the fact that you 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 chose the dove and the pigeon. Like those are two birds I would have never expected anybody to ever choose, and I love it. Again, unique artist, and you're you're fantastic. Uh, question number two. What's the one language you wish you could speak fluently, other than English, or any other languages that you may know? Because I don't know if you know any other languages.
0: That's a tough one. Because, like, I, I, I really love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like this sort of obsession with trying to like learn smatterings of as many languages as I can. I was, I was. My initial thought was Arabic.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be cool.
0: And I can speak a little bit, but not much. Yeah um german um is there's a, a fairly depth lengthy german history in my family
1: and german would be great because not only is it fun to say but it's also sounds always sounds very aggressive and that's always fun to throw people I do, off
0: i do enjoy swearing in german
1: <laughs> i bet it's the best it's always good all right, so Arabic and German—that's a great, that's a great combo. And if you could learn both, you, you got it made. That's perfect. Uh, great, I love these new questions. It's making people think really hard. I love it. Uh, uh, okay, so you've gotten two out of two right. So we got to get the third one right, and then Thank you'll you. win. And then you'll win this game that I've made up. Okay. Um, question number three: Hammy, ham or turkey?
0: Vegetarian.
1: Ooh. Sorry, the answer was turkey. (laughs) It's always going to be the wrong answer. (laughs) And since you're vegetarian, that's definitely the wrong answer. Amy thank you so much uh for sitting down with me I really uh, do you do social media I, f- I forget do you have any outside of Twitter do you uh do do anything like Instagram or uh yeah I'm on Facebook? Instagram
0: I'm the laziest Instagram poster in the entire world so I, we shouldn't
1: there. so we shouldn't push people to your Instagram is what you're saying yeah.
0: well you, you can but you know there's not much there all
1: right, all
0: right. I, I can't figure out how to use it. I'm too old
1: you did send me a blast one time and you're like, I have no idea why I sent you that <laughs> message. I don't know what I did <laughs> wrong. Like, oh shit. No, nah, I don't know. Totally what do.
0: and my kids, my kids make fun of me and they sometimes do it for me. And then they mock me cause it, they do it wrong
1: for me. Oh, this is, this is, we're in the age of, this is the uh, setting, the VCR for our grandparents and parents back in the day. You yeah. know, it's like, now how does this TikTok work? I don't, I, don't, I don't Yeah. But don't get me started on kids these days. <laughs> uh, Amy, thank you so, so much. I really do appreciate your afternoon, a rare afternoon interview for me. Um, Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I can't wait to see you again. Uh, Hopefully I'll get to see you at Right Club this month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Thank you so much, Kevin. It It was really fun.
1: That Amy Eaton is an amazing fucking talent. Be sure to follow her. Be sure to find her perform. Do not miss out on her. Speaking of missing out on things, don't miss out on my other show on Big Talk Podcast called Junk Drawer, where myself and my dear friend Josh Shagoran do a deep dive on all the things that you find in your junk drawer and give you the history on where they come from. Scotch tape, Super Bowls, drinking straws, you name it, we check it out. So be sure to find Junk Drawer on all the places that you find this show and our website, BigTalkChicago.com well that about does it for this show don't forget to rate and review us that's how we get the word out also as always big thank you to jason moody for our kick-ass theme song and corbett pasco for our three question stinger be sure to join us next episode when we sit down with another guest and we ask them that burning question who the fuck are you blah 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 big
0: talk